0: Welcome to Inaudible. I'm your host, Jeremy Weiland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the long tradition of Confederation channeling, philosophy, and seeking, articulating a philosophy of spiritual evolution known as the Law of One. Many of these messages are available to listen to on our sister podcast, Living, Love, and Light, available on all platforms. We seek to provide analysis and commentary on this law of one philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. However, we are not counselors, gurus, or experts of any kind. So please evaluate our words in light of our shortcomings and use your own best judgment. Hey, Ryan, how's it going?
1: Hey, Jeremy, I like that intro. Yeah. Subtly different, but I like it.
0: You know, it's something that uh, my wife had been suggesting for us to, you know, mention that although we talk about the kinds of human issues that come up in life and how to deal with it, we are not the only source of help. And it's important that people recognize that there are other places to go for, for help and that it's perfectly normal to do so.
1: Yeah, this is just one way of looking at the world.
0: Yeah, I think there's some word salad in there that I could clean up. Now you know, that I'm looking I, at it, but
1: I enjoy when you when you note that we are not gurus. And in the financial industry, there's a funny there's a funny notion that uh, the word why we use in finance the term guru is because charlatan is too hard to spell. <laughs> so. I, <laughs> So I appreciate. I appreciate are, are, that are, note.
0: Are you thinking of Jim Cramer with FTX in particular?
1: <laughs> I am thinking of a lot of people. <laughs> the moment someone says there is a secret inside the financial industry or this even goes with personal training, there's a secret inside the fitness industry. Whenever someone tells you about a secret, you know they're full of crap. They are yeah. definitely full of crap. But I really enjoy that but I think of um, now guru is used in in India. You know it is a legitimate term for a spiritual a spirit like a personal spiritual leader right mm-hmm. It may have more context than that that's just how I understand it so it's a le- yeah. it's a legitimate term without that oh, negative sure. connotation but in regards to new age spiritual thought, there are a lot of gurus with quotes around it but again, you know charlatans are too hard to spell I think it's a it's a negative way of looking at things, but I do think it's
0: funny yeah I mean. <sighs> I don't know, like, the reason that you have to wonder about financial folks is that, do they have a vested interest in having you believe something, right? Yes. So I do have a vested interest in uh, the listener uh, believing what we're saying, but not quite to the same degree and not quite for the same reasons. You know, I want want feedback. I want to know, hey, are we helping or not? I don't need to know. Did, uh, did you do what I say or did you do what Kuo says or anything like and that? You know, did you buy my product? <laughs> yeah, <You> know, exactly. <laughs> yes. That's it. That's a
1: big one. So no, definitely. Yeah. I have. I too have a vested interest in this because this helps me by exactly. our chats. These help me navigate things I'm going through things you're going through. And this exercise is, has immense value for me personally.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and speaking of the guru thing, there's there have been a lot of uh, sessions I've read in, at the end of the uh, uh, archive read-through, which I completed a couple of weeks Congrats. ago, um, at least through Carla's tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of people who approach spirituality in terms of, I do need a guru to to help mm. me uh, to sort of like carry the torch for me. And in the, in the Eastern tr- uh, traditions that tends to uh, be a lot more prevalent that mm-hmm. there's a relationship that develops between the student and the guru where they don't give up on each other. They're almost kind of like spiritually married and they make an imbra- unbreakable pact together. Interesting. Uh, it's, it's not like that. Um, there was a session that talked about that. I forget what it was. Uh, but Kuo said that, uh, in the Western traditions, we have figures like Jesus that are kind of uh, more uh, universal gurus, right? So you place your faith in Jesus. You don't place your faith in a faith in a different particular person. Yes, um, and so that has disadvantages because you can you can uh, translate this Jesus however you want, right? Uh, but the guru thing also has disadvantages too because you know there's honestly and sadly been stories of abuse that oh. gurus have put students through sure. or have engaged in and you know that's uh that's part of the mm. part of the thing going on here so
1: people going to people gonna yeah. people.
0: Yep. people are going to be people i mean we have our we have our uh, mega church preachers and scandals so you know yeah. it's yeah. we have our own version of that it's uh not absent from christianity whatsoever certainly <laughs> certainly yeah Well, speaking of the darker side of things and the negative side of things, um, that's kind of the topic for today. Um, Normally, I try to stay away from the entire concept of negative greeting or the way that in Confederation uh, works. They discuss entities (coughs) outside the self, largely from higher densities who have a Interest themselves in our lives, mm-hmm. in using the material of our lives, our catalyst uh, to give us opportunities to choose service to self instead of service to others. Um, I try to stay away from that because I find that it often is an excuse for people to explain away their own lessons and flaws. Mm-hmm. Like if it's, if it's, if I'm in pain because of something outside of myself then I don't have to take responsibility for it. And that's not the message of the law of one at, at the root. The message of the law of one at the root is that these negative encounters reflect something that's already inside of us, that's part of us. Mm-hmm. And that if we are being greeted or if a distortion of ours is being energized, well, it's being energized from a, from without, yes, but it's still our distortion. And it's still there that we have all of the agency to work with it and refine it and use it for learning, even if it's a tough situation, right?
1: Well, how do you recognize it? I mean, can you recognize it?
0: That's uh, kind of what I've been uh, wrestling with lately. Because, uh, you know, as we were talking about before we started recording, uh, Claire and Jade left the uh, channeling circle. And I feel like some of the circumstances around that, I can't say for sure, but it had the tinge of negativity Mm -hmm. because it was, it seemed like perceptions were manipulated so subtly to really put us in opposition where there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to see eye to eye on these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and these things happen, like, you know, I, I still have an immense amount of respect and love for Jade and Claire, but I just, uh. I have to wonder about the way that this fell apart and how to reckon with that. Uh, It certainly had tons and tons and tons to do with my own distortions. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. But it's not the distortions that give me the indication of an encounter with the negative. It's the way that they were all subtly positioned against each other, just oriented enough Mm -hmm. so that we couldn't understand each other mm-hmm. and that's what it was it was a lot of confusion a lot of misunderstanding um, a lot of uh mm. the, the, the perceptions and expectations that just never got yeah. accounted for that suddenly came up
1: well i'm so, thinking of like in my own person in my personal life it's when you run it when i experience something like this there's that kind of you said that initial shift of people's perceptions and understandings of one another that essentially moves you into conflict mode and then once you're in conflict mode there's a call it a pressure that is dampening your ability to reach understanding with someone sometimes you feel like it's just straight up coming from the other person but sometimes you also recognize that it's you, like it's like, boy, I'm trying here, but I do not understand where the hell you are coming. Like you are crazy, uh, you know. I, I mean, I feel like that sometimes at work with some with with some coworkers that can be particularly challenging. Um, but you usually I can work through it, but I, at least I can recognize that in myself when I'm starting to struggle with that next step of trying to understand where someone else is coming from. But it's funny, sometimes I cannot figure it out it's at some point there's just a level of faith that I have to give another person to be like, I think they're doing their best. And, uh, I'm just, you know, and I think they're not out to get me. <laughs> so I'm just going to let this one roll and then, you know, try to move on to the next, you know, I guess to the next conflict we'll inevitably get to cause we're all different <laughs> people. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's always a learning opportunity for the self. And I've learned a great deal about myself through all this. Um, but it's still, uh, since it was something that I encountered in my life, and even though I'm resistant to the language of negative psychic greeting and all that, uh, it seemed so unmistakable to me that I thought it'd be worth looking into a quo session that dealt with this. And the one that I found was, uh, good Lord, it's almost like 12 year, 13 years ago exactly, mm. uh, December 5th, 2009. Uh, this, uh, is a, uh, practice channeling circle for, uh, a few new channels for LL at the time, uh, including, I believe, uh, Steve Tymon and, um, some others. So they're, they're showing up at the end of the, uh, transcript read through. So, uh, that's nice. why a lot of these practice circles are coming up, but they have, since they have a variety of instruments with different perspectives, I thought it'd be good to, Look at this one. Yeah. Let's do it. So, yeah. All right. So let's jump right in. The uh, question spoken by Jim here is, as we seek to know ourselves and know the truth on this journey, there frequently occurs for the seeker an oppositional force, either an entity or an essence that is of a negative nature. We are wondering how Kuo would suggest that we attempt to understand this negativity, whether an essence or an entity, and how to address it how to approach it, how to respond to it. Um, So even the way that they state this question, Hmm. it leaves a lot of room for the self to take responsibility. It leaves a lot of room for us to focus on how we perceive it Mm -hmm. and not so much putting emphasis on the fact that an encounter is occurring in the first place. Mm -hmm. Since we live in a psychically metaphysically diverse universe. We should expect that we are encountering all kinds of forces of all kinds of polarities at all times. There are some rules about the uh, quarantine that Ra gives, you know, that there's only a certain amount of negative influx that's allowed from say the so-called Orion's. Mm -hmm. But um, at the same time, there is some negative influx allowed because If there's going to be positive influx, if there's going to be positive support for service to others polarization from the confederation, there needs to be balance from another side so that we can make a free choice. Mm -hmm. The point is not to go one way or another, but to go one of the ways and for it to be our choice that it happens, right? That's that's how polarization actually uh, expresses our power instead of just, you know, molding it.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Well, uh, i go ahead and jump right in. Kuo says, you ask this evening, my friends, about those experiences of resistance or opposition or disturbance that seem to sometimes stand in front of one on a path of seeking and say, go no further. The nature of your query is unique in our experience in that each of those within this circle is dealing with a spiritual path, which has great depth. For many who are beginners upon the path of seeking, there is not seen the vertical aspect of seeking, but the horizontal, if we may use that figure. This is a weird metaphor, but stick with it. Mm -hmm. I'd like to at least touch upon it. So they continue. It does not hold precisely, but it works in as much as we may say that it is possible to pursue a path of seeking that is seen as a journey from point A to point B to point C and so forth. As though it were walking across firm ground or riding across the level of the sea in a horizontal manner, to those we would answer in one way. This evening, however, we feel we are speaking with those who are experiencing the collapsing of boundaries and at the same time the releasing of boundaries, so that in one way it seems that all levels of the creation have come together in one focus— And in other ways, it seems that all of the levels of creation are spreading themselves like peacock's tails to express in more and more detail the unbelievable nuances possible and the great variety of points of awareness which are held in simultaneous fashion in one fragile instrument of the creator such as each of you is. This is probably the best place to stop. Uh, So they're talking about this horizontal way of understanding or expressing our path versus a vertical way. I don't think it's necessary to put too much emphasis or nuance on this, but there are deeper and deeper levels upon which these spiritual questions can be answered. Mm -hmm. There is the straight ahead one, which I think they mean the, the horizontal one, which would be kind of like, you know, basic operating guidance for dealing with negative feelings and just dealing with the surface of these things. But... On the spiritual path, on the adept's path, we try to not just overcome these obstacles, these distractions and disturbances, but we try to understand them and use them as thing as as, as mechanisms for self understanding and for understanding the Creator. And that opens up a lot of nuance in how to understand these things, um, because if we do not fear. Uh, these events that are not pleasant, but instead really want to use them, really want to open up to them and feel them, even if they're painful, mm-hmm. even if they're not pleasant, uh, then we engage in a different kind of seeking with that catalyst. And all of this is always available to us. All catalyst has this depth to it. Uh, we can always choose to 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 to, to lock into it
1: it is a different journey i do like this analogy of moving horizontally versus vertically because everyone moves horizontally there's almost no choice it's without choice do we move horizontally we get over the speed bumps of life we get through the challenges somehow that vertical journey to me speaks of the that growth that occurs perhaps actively or or what's the word it's um you're seeking out that growth. You're seeking that vertical journey rather than just passively going through the horizontal journey. So I do like that, that analogy. Yeah.
0: There's a metaphor that, uh, the confederation often uses of, you know, things moving in a cycle Mm -hmm. and, and they, and they, I'm, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but but they basically often say, you know, from your point of view, it often looks like you keep repeating these issues in your life, mm-hmm. right? You keep cycling. Um, but that's only on one two-dimensional plane. If you could see it three-dimensionally, it would look more like a spiral, right? So that ah, yeah. as you circle these issues and go over them… Uh, in more and more depth, you are moving deeper into them you are moving on a straight line, but you're using a circle to get you there so you're spiraling towards unity and that's often how they talk about the light, right it's a spiral it's upward spiraling light. So mm-hmm. from our point of view it often seems repetitive and redundant but we're actually each time we encounter a lesson we have we are encountering it with a slightly different self. Mm-hmm that has been mm-hmm. molded and shaped by past experience and and the work that we've done. Yes. So yes. that's how I understand it. Hopefully that's, that gives people a way to uh, uh, instrumentalize the metaphor anyway. And I like the way that they talk about the collapsing of boundaries and the releasing of boundaries, right? So you're trying to transcend these, 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 These concepts that normally delineate what's good, what's bad, where we're on the path, when we're not on the path, and that in doing so, you can see greater detail. And I think it's this detail that, this energetic detail, like the peacock's feathers expressing themselves in full vibrant color. Mm -hmm. That's kind of when we get these glimpses of the full majesty of the creation and the creator. Mm. So just to put (laughs) put a cherry on that. Perfect. Continuing with Kuo. Thusly. We shall answer in a different way, in a way in which we attempt to help you look at not only what may be opposing, distracting, or offering resistance to you, but also who you are and what your points of perception may be that cause such and such a limitation of resistance or a distraction to surface before your near vision. We speak to those whose hearts are pure, whose intention is set upon the pilgrim's path. We salute you individually and collectively for you have broken through that which is of the world to see with eyes that look for love that hope to give love and that are able to recognize love that is the heart and soul of every essence and every entity within this creation hmm. so and that's very much how i think of this podcast that we're trying to go deeper we're trying to give you more uh, uh subtle things to hold on to so that you can have your own Understanding and reality of these um, messages uh, where you're making these connections, we're helping you make the connections, but you could be making completely different connections than we're seeing. Um, and it's often until not until you really invest in understanding these messages uh, and, and, first of all, and, and most importantly, apply it to your life that you start to get the feedback and you see, okay, well, this – this concept that they're talking about uh, is sort of uh, has a lot of ambiguity to it uh, because it can mean a lot of different things, you know, Mm -hmm. every, you know, finding the love in the moment. What the heck does that mean? Yeah. It's not until you try (laughs) to do it um, that you figure out what it is that they might even mean by that.
1: Yeah. It helps to have these ideas just simmering on your mind. Exactly. And much of the time you're not thinking about it. When you go through periods of conflict, periods of strife, but occasionally these ideas do start to seep in, you know, um, and the more practice you give them, the more front and center those ideas are, you know?
0: Yeah. So, and it's also important to realize that these are just words. They can't give you the full appreciation of the experience they point at. Only by engaging it with your heart and your mind and your full self can you understand it. That's, and I think that's the mystery of human experience and experience in being separate from the creator is to understand that it's only with. And, you know, I, I often struggle with this because, you know, like we were talking about beforehand, I, I'm coming out of a, you know, pretty big time of depression personally. I uh, struggling with a lot of stuff with the break of the channeling circle and other things going on in my life. And uh, a lot of that involves a kind of pulling away from life, right? A kind of desire not to engage Withdrawal. with
2: Withdrawal, yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's it really just keeps getting worse as long as you try to do that. It doesn't actually get better until you finally decide that you're going to face it. And then you start to feel like you get feedback and progress that you can actually put your feet on. But you have to make the leap of faith that regardless of how uh, 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 busted everything, everything feels that you're going to continue. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's amazing how things turn around when you do that. And it's also amazing that we avoid it for so long <laughs> Yes, when we know that. I mean, this has yes. happened several times in my life. You but, know? It,
1: but it's so necessary. And I, I believe that's why t- templates and ideas like these, like the law of one or like Christianity or Buddhism, whatever these, again, I call them templates. These are so helpful because that is such a necessary part of life, not just on the horizontal mm-hmm. journey, but on that. Vertical journey. The, to yeah. me, the horizontal journey gets easier as you progress through the vertical journey, and because you have these tools and you have these skills that you've developed over time. So, yeah, any ideas that you can lean on to help you get through those challenging times, I think, are are exceptionally valuable.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so let's continue. Um, they they do an instrument change here. Kuo says. We continue with the theme of that love which you are, and ask you to reflect upon the simple point that all love is an outreaching, and in that capacity shows already the fundamental character of acceptance. So how comes it, you may ask, that experiences arise in which you find yourself confronted with that which is deemed unacceptable, ugly, horrible, and most damaging to one's abiding desire to embrace those around one with an open heart? For it is true that the path of every seeker will find such stumbling blocks. It is true that every seeker finds within himself those experiences which do not smack of love, which are potentially so frightening that one feels it is no longer safe to set foot upon the path of seeking so that one would find safety and haven in some of the many distractions that offer themselves to one's experience. Whence come these terrors, one asks, and what may one do in the face of them to find a way that permits a continuation along one's path of seeking? As a first step, we suggest that one may examine the question of one's own desire for desire. My friends is life is seeking is love, and it carries its energies forward into a world of common experience originally in a quite innocent way, but one's desire often encounters impediments, resistance, and frustration. Okay. So why don't we stop here and take stock?
1: yeah? Yeah. Gold. That paragraph says so much and it reveals so much.
0: <clears throat> well, we've talked before about the function of desire in spiritual evolution, how primal it is. Um, on a basic level, it is desire that moves us towards the creator. It is desire, and the, and the, and the distorted ways in which we understand that desire as we uh, identify at different levels of our own consciousness... Uh, That is the thing that's sort of pulling us forward and pulling us into our lessons, our catalysts, and our transformations. So desire is very important, and it's also important to understand that uh, when we have experiences that don't seem to reinforce the goodness of our own desire – that would be very confusing. In other words, why would we, in fact, be pulled into situations through our desire ostensibly, right? That don't seem to be things we desire, <laughs> right? Yes. Why do we get things we don't seem to desire? This is something we've talked about before on this podcast. If desire is uh, instrumental in everything, then then, then then why do we have bad experiences? Yeah.
1: But I suppose if we didn't, there would be no journey. Right? Yeah. That is, that is the journey. But and, I loved it. It, it. Go for it. Keep going.
0: No, it's just uh, just that you know the way we've uh, dealt with this conundrum before is to say that we are deeper than our waking selves, and so there's parts of us that desire things that we may not understand completely. And this session is going to get a little more into that idea.
1: There are parts of us that desire things we don't understand completely. This is fantastic because when I was in my early mid twenties. I was just out of college. I was working as a music teacher. I would run uh, drum programs and I was writing music and a professional musician. I was trying to figure out my long-term trajectory. And one of my friends had asked me, he asked me outright, he's like, is it that you want to be the best at this thing over here or that you want to be the best at something? You know, Is it this task in particular that draws you or is it just the ability to have, you know, a lot of skill in one area in general? That is, you know, that was the first flashlight that was ever shined on one of my desires in a way that I'm like, oh, that's a great question. I need to think of that because it wasn't clear to me what my desires were at that time, how focused my desires were or even my ability to articulate what they were. So, yeah.
0: And and a desire can be uh, tangled, right? It can have lots of different things in mm. it. By the time it gets into okay. our waking third density consciousness, it has gone through several layers of biases, distortions, uh, personality uh, yeah. uh, aspects. Um, I mean, I definitely have been in a position where I wanted to be to use your situation. I wanted to be good because I wanted to be good at something, not because mm-hmm. I wanted to be good at this. And yeah. in fact, I think a lot of times work functions as that, right? Like I want to be good at work because I want to keep my job and I want to have security, but not because I really care about the specific thing that I'm doing programming with, right? Mm. Like,
1: yes, yeah, for yeah, for me, it, along the same lines, it's the the desire is not to be a great. Investment manager or chief investment officer or whatever it is, the desire is to help, is right. to be that resource that people can go to when they're stressed and they feel like it's all falling apart. And I have the skill set to walk them through that, so that they don't really ruin their their financial lives. That's yeah. the desire, but it's how do you express that desire? Is
0: it's yeah, and that, how do you, you know, keep everything aligned so that you know at the point where you realize, hey, maybe I don't have the skill here and I'm not going to be helpful here. What do I do now, you know?
1: Finally, at least on this, because this is what immediately comes to mind, is our. we all might be on a similar path. We even might be side by side. But our desires are so infrequently, completely aligned, that just naturally means you're going to bump up against one another. And therein lies that inevitable conflict you run into. Yeah, you're both on the same path. You both have similar desires, but moving together exposes so much because of that mm-hmm. inevitable you know hitting and rubbing up rub, the friction as you as you yeah. say
0: the more that we can keep that attitude of curiosity and not being Appalled by the surprise that consciousness always uh, affords itself <laughs> through these experiences, uh-huh. right? Like this is this 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 attitude of surprise and taking it taken aback. Like these are actually discoveries of ourselves and the Creator that we should celebrate, but often because they can be unsettling, because they can uh, uh, disturb the balance that we thought we had, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we have to be that this is this is largely what I think the uh, archetype of transformation is all about. It's about recognizing when you're in this liminal position where you're about to be uh, reconfigured mm-hmm. in spite of yourself at times, right like mm. you're just not in your waking life in charge of all of it yeah you're only uh responsible for accepting it or rejecting it. Yeah. And we're going to get into what it means to reject it. That's, that's a lot of what this, this session centers around. Okay. Shall I jump yeah, back? Let's in? keep going. So we were talking about, sorry, we were talking about desire and how instrumental it is to seeking and quote says, but one's desire often encounters impediments, resistance, and frustration. And they continue. And many times these impediments are imposed by expectations on the part of others who one loves and who one feels also return that love. One discovers then that to follow the course suggested by a desire one has would be unacceptable. And therefore one learns from a young age that desire itself can be a risky venture and should never be entered into wholeheartedly or with full fledge. One easily learns to build into the very structure of one's desire a resistance to that desire, which can express in very many different ways. What happens then is that the desire itself is not fully quenched, but rather finds alternative means, secret and subterranean, of expressing the life energy which is already being dedicated in them. This, my friends, is energy of the Creator and is never, never to be despised. And yet so often one finds that that is precisely its fate. It is despised even by the one to whom it most closely belongs. Most who have lived with the kind of experience of third density which you now enjoy are well familiar with this kind of circumstance, and most have had to make accommodation for it in their daily lives in some fashion or another. There are some cases, however, in which the experience of a pocket of a kind of rejected desire or energy is of such a strong nature that it can seem to acquire a life of its own and could turn on the one whose desire it is into forms that beggar the imagination in terms of range and type of representation. These forms are often dreamlike and could take on proportions that seem to be quite threatening or of a nature alien to the one beset by them. We ask that you recognize first of all, therefore, that all such energy as your own is the energy of the creator, is real, and is ultimately capable of being reintegrated. All right, let's stop here. Mm What do you think of that? That was
1: a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that it was. kind
0: of all flowed into each other, but if you'd like, I can sort of summarize it. Please. Yeah. Um, so the idea is that we were talking about how desire is this powerful force in our evolution, but that our desire in this in these passages is not always, it's always fully engaged with. Mm-hmm. I had talked earlier about shrinking from life, shrinking from the things that desire is pushing me towards. Why would I do that? Well, there's certain way there's certain reasons why I would reject parts of myself and accept other parts of myself. But when we are taught from an early age that not everything we can desire can be had, we learn to we we build in the blockages ourselves. We build in to our own sort of template of seeking our template of what it means to live a human life that since we can't have everything we want, there are some things that are bad that we want hmm. and that these things that are bad that we want, this is my understanding. Sure. And you may have a different understanding, but it seems that we learn that there are some desires that we can't have. And therefore they need to be pushed down. They need to be repressed. And this almost gets very Freudian at this point, it, right?
1: It totally does. Cause I remember, I remember growing up <clears throat> my parents, my brother and I had a habit of lying, <laughs> lying to our parents when we were like middle school. You know, and our parents weren't stupid. And they asked, you know, <laughs> why don't you guys just ask us, like, if you can do this or go to this friend? Like, why don't you just ask us rather than giving us some BS? The And they said, the worst we can say is no. And yeah. in hindsight, that it was not true. The worst thing they did not say was no. In fact, it was the way that they said no. made you feel like a complete piece of garbage, (laughs) you know, just the, just the tone of it. And so this is really speaking to me about having these desires, but not communicating them, pushing them down, not fully leaning into them for whatever reason. Um, but, um, I suppose we all can have things that we want in life that it feels like life is pushing against in an assortment of different ways. And, uh, You know, what does that lead to? What does that, what does that mean? You know,
0: well, what it means in this case is that because they are part of us, even though we reject them, they are part of our creative, uh, propulsive desire. They don't go away. Mm -hmm. They don't simply stop being in fact, they take on a life of their own at certain times. They
1: manifest Remember, as
0: yeah, we are mm-hmm. what what we are dealing with as we uh, uh, grapple with this philosophy. Uh, and this is something I think about a lot is how to be a self that we don't have full access to or control over. We are so much deeper than the personalities we express in this life even to those we are closest to, we go so much deeper. There are many, many parts of ourselves that we do not have direct access to. Becoming an adept, becoming a person who walks the spiritual path and tries to use life for polarization, uh, that involves, in my view, an attitude towards life that sees it less about getting control and making yourself do things. And it becomes more about seeing your waking self as one part of a whole self and that evolution is not about like making yourself do stuff. It's about participating in that whole self so that the entire self comes along with with your spiritual evolutionary path instead of parts being left behind because you choose not to identify with Mm -hmm. them. And then you suddenly think that you're farther ahead than you actually are, but you've got the stuff you've left behind you that you're dragging behind. It's called baggage. (laughs) Yep. You're right. It's called baggage. Absolutely. Uh I could have, I could have uh, been a lot more succinct, (laughs) but yeah, it's baggage. And um, it happens to all of us because In a way, how could we uh, live our lives coherently as personalities in a third-density world if we always were thinking about all the baggage we have? Mm -hmm. We would be depressed. In fact, that's a lot of what I was depressed about, is looking at the baggage that I had Mm -hmm. and having to account for it. And I didn't go very far until I had accounted for it. Um. And it seems that like this baggage has the potential to have a lot more uh, activity to it. Like because it is part of ourselves, it has the ability to act and have its own life, just as the personalities that we identify with act and have their own life. Mm-hmm. And so this is the this is the nature of where we're going to go with the whole idea of a psychic or negative greeting. Mm-hmm. Is the 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 roots are in ourselves, but they mobilize these energies into actors in seeming actors in our life that we seem to interact with as seemingly other selves. You see where we're going here?
1: Yes, seemingly, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> all right. another instrument change. So now we're going to get into integration, right? So mm-hmm. we have these parts of ourselves that we've rejected, that seem separate, and that manifests as separate and confuse us by this separation. So now the issue is integration. How do we reclaim this whole self? And Kuo says, the practice of reintegrating that which is perceived as outer with that which you perceive as inner is one of the fundamental practices of the seeker along the path back to oneness with the creator. That which is perceived as inner and that which is perceived as outer, on the one hand, are very, very real. The monsters in the night exist. They exist because you interact with them. They exist because they give to the perceiver a presence of tangibility. You see them with the eyes of your body or the eyes of your mind, and therefore, they take on a reality in your life. On the other hand, these monsters of the night are merely empty perceptions of the mind, holding no real form, ultimate reality. It is only their impact that becomes real.
1: It is only their impact that becomes real. And the word perceive is sprinkled throughout that paragraph. So it's incredible. It's just an incredible idea that our perceptions are these flimsy, somewhat uh, pliable, but real in the way that their impact is felt. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's it, I like this paragraph.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, one way of talking about that impact is to say that it has catalyst involved in it, right? Like it has this consequence that bears upon our life in some way that's spiritually relevant to the lessons we're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing to, to point out is that the perception occurs in this uh, depth because we have rejected it and therefore made it an other. And because it's an other, it is perceivable. It's it's an object and we're the subject viewing it, right? Like we have this, mm. this duality that we have created. It is a way, this is, so one way of thinking about this is that this is a way in which we finally do integrate with those parts that we've rejected, they first appear as outside the self, as other than the self. We start to realize that they actually are the self, and then we do the and then we uh, engage in a long process of integrating that, finding a way to see the love in it and to see the self in it. Hmm,
1: that's an interesting point.
0: Yeah, they, they can, t- and I think this perception is tied very much to the creative nature that we possess as parts of the creator. It, I think that's what the a lot of what the argument they're making is is that we see it as simply observing something, but it, that ob- observation is premised on a fundamental creative act we have we have taken on our own, whether we are aware of it or not. That creative act being that's not me.
1: That is a very wordy but also eloquent way of putting of putting You
0: can't have it both ways. It's wording. Well,
1: it's, (laughs) but it's clear. Maybe clear is the word that I'm looking for. It's clear. The, just the act of recognizing something or perceiving something. There's a story involved with that perception. There's a, something you have to tell yourself about that, which you are perceiving.
0: Bingo. We then have to make it, we make it real by the way we perceive it. Mm -hmm. And we also uh, have, have created the very dichotomy that, premises, the entire encounter, right? Like that was a creative act we took uh, ostensibly in the past that is now conditioning our present. Mm -hmm. And so we have to wrestle with the, with the, with the reasons that we did that Mm -hmm. since we are at the end of the day responsible for it. Let's continue with this, uh, this, this, this creative perception idea. So Kuo says, you perceive yourself as real. Each of those in this circle of seeking sees him or herself as an I with a mind and individuality. And when you perceive a self, it is then easy to perceive an other self. You each hold an identity of self and claim those things which you believe belong to the self, the traits of your being, that composite of thoughts and memories and mannerisms that form the being that you call yourself. Those things which you do not wish to integrate into that perception of self are often ignored or rejected. It is as if you choose those things which you will make yourself and those things which you will choose to make an other self and reject. But since this is ultimately impossible within the creation, when you go deeper than the surface level of being and start to travel the path of a seeker and wish to know yourself entirely, those things which you have chosen as not of yourself start to reveal themselves. The shadows of the mountain that were not hit with the sun begin to appear around the climax of the mountain. You see crags and pinnacles arising out of the darkness around you, and you say, what is this that has appeared at my side? It is not part of me. But lo, you go deeper into the mountain, and you realize that each of these rocks and crevices are part of the same mountain. They are part of the self. The snows fall on the entirety of the mountain alike. I'd like to pause here. Um, the thing that stands out to me the most is, you know, we've talked about the, uh, the, real- the, the, the reality of those parts of ourselves that we reject. Um, the reason that we can be sure that they exist regardless of our approval is because we know that separation is ultimately impossible. That ultimately all is self. So there's nothing that we can observe that isn't ourself. And that often leads to a lot of real deep confusion because there's a lot of hard things to observe in this world. There's a lot of difficult things to observe in ourselves and in others. Uh, The world and reality and human nature can go dark. It can be very difficult. And uh, it's easy to want to say, that's too dark. That's too negative. There are lots of things that I can think of in this world that are horrible. And yet, we are confronted with the responsibility as seekers to recognize ourselves in all of it. That's the only basis upon which we could ever forgive it is if it had some, uh, if it was retrievable as something that was nevertheless us and worthy. And so, we perceive ourselves as real and we are in a process of perceiving those things that we don't see as real, as nevertheless having some reality, having some, uh, uh having the right to exist regardless of our own approval, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I like the consistent use of the light and shadow metaphor <clears throat> throughout uh, these sessions. And um I think of, you know, exceptionally positive individuals who, uh, who really shine, shine, shine light, and uh, but they're almost overly positive, and there is no recognition of the shadows. There is, it, it's like it's. Um, you can tell when somebody has not done that shadow work. You know, you can read it. And, uh, but I do, I do enjoy, it's a good re- for me. Whenever I come across one, it's a, it's a reminder like, Oh yeah, we are, we are the mountain that's covered with snow. We are not just that part that shined with the light. Like remember those shadowy parts that is still a part of the mountain, uh, even though the light isn't shining there. So it's up to us to recognize it, incorporate it, accept it, whatever, you know, whatever it is, work through it, you know,
0: it, it comes up a lot in, uh, conversations with seekers, Uh, the way in which what makes our path a little bit unique compared to other spiritual paths is our complete acceptance of the dark along with the light and how this makes it a lot more difficult to to think ourselves into a place where we're right and others are wrong. To give ourselves, as Buddhists say, ground under our feet. When our position is fundamentally groundless until we have found the self and integrated the self hmm. at the end of the day, if we're still in the process of doing that, we are still floating in midair. And there's nothing there is no there is nothing to hold on to in the illusion that isn't illusory, except that fundamental truth. Um, there is a lot of talk in the working group about the ways in which spiritual bypassing, uh, tends to, uh, convince people that, you know, spirituality is about only emphasizing the good and only focusing on thing. And like, if people have negative thoughts, if they're angry or anything like that, Oh, that must be a problem. You know, I can't that, that disqualifies them from being spiritual.
2: Mm. And I don't
0: think that's the case at all. Uh, I think it's just, in fact, like the more you walk it and the more you see the things that you've rejected, the more you have to really wrestle with the fact that you have rejected these parts and that they are a part of you. And that can be very angering. That can be, I mean, I sometimes yes. get angry at how distorted I am, you know?
1: Um, this might feel like a tangent, but uh, I'm sure you saw Lord of the Rings in the Fellowship yep. of the Ring. And when Frodo comes up against the, that elf queen. And she sees that ring of power and she goes into like a beast mode for a hot minute, you know? And I love that scene because it, her character is just this divine feminine, like powerful, nurturing, beautiful character. And then all of a sudden she goes dark, you know, and it's that juxtaposition of the complete chaos and destruction that women are capable of but on the opposite side of that coin that beauty and that life generating nurture but it's a it is a balance that's why it's that love and nurturing is so powerful because you understand what she is capable of on the other side if she's not if she hasn't made the choice to i don't know be balanced or whatever it is you know what is possible and the same thing is there for men you know with well the things that men have done throughout history there's there's course. a there's a balance there and there's so much to me there's so much power about again that bright side of the mountain of choosing to express that that love and that lightness but understanding and having incorporated and maybe controlling or choosing not to follow that path of shadow and darkness
0: well well to, yeah it's like uh I'm, I, I, it really stood out to me when you brought up that, uh, scene with Galadriel, she was really wrestling with what it would mean to give in to the negative desires that were inside of her. All that she imagined, she had imagined before. Hmm. This is something that she had considered. Uh, and it's, I think that's really good. I think, I think it's, I think in fact, uh, one of the things we were talking about the other day uh, in the working group about working with catalysts and balancing is how uh, useful it can be uh, to just put yourself completely in uh, – use your imagination to put yourself in a situation where it's completely negative. Where things are as bad as you fear they might be. And to just mm. completely immerse yourself in that and and work it out in your head. and. You know, even if you go to some dark places, the very fact that you've actually worked it out in your head shows you things about it that, if you're just avoiding it out of fear, if you don't even want to think that thing, if you don't even want to consider it about yourself, you will always be afraid to feel that way. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot one of the things that I remarked uh, after his presentation was that it seems like a lot of the balancing techniques are about it, allowing ourselves to feel things that we're afraid to feel. We think it's about the situation that makes us feel that way, that and that we're avoiding the situation. But actually, we're avoiding the feeling. And yes. the situation is only the proximate means by which we think we're going to yes. uh, encounter or avoid it. So in the fact that you actually grapple with it in your imagination, you can often become comfortable in feeling things that are not pleasant. And then they don't have to be threats, right? Um. Because we're all capable of dealing with things that are uncomfortable and unpleasant. We do it all the time. Uh, There are just certain things that we build up in our head. And often if we engage with them directly and think about and engage with the feeling, we can, the the situation that we're avoiding loses its potency. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm.
1: Let's continue. We can, I know I can chatter
0: all day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The one known as L2 spoke earlier about needing to love the self in order to love that which is perceived as other self. This is a concept that has been spoken of in many terms in your culture. One must love self before loving others. It holds especially true when one looks at it in this context, for that which is perceived as other self is also the self. And when one loves the self fully, that love trickles down deeper and deeper into the roots of self, where one perceives that that love then is spread out to those things one thought of as other selves, which are all actually also part of the same self. As the seeker penetrates deeper along what was earlier described as the vertical, that which is seemingly far away becomes nearer. Again, we use the illustration of a mountain to carry our point. Starting at the pinnacle of the mountain, one can look out at the points of other mountains in a mountain range. Perhaps from this perspective, there are clouds between the mountains. So that one standing on the peak of a mountain can see other mountains and clouds between the mountains and think of the mountain the seeker is standing on as one mountain and that mountain in the distance as a different mountain. But one penetrating deeper and deeper into the roots of self connects all other selves and the distance between one mountain and the other mountain seems less of a separation and more of a com- continuity with all of the other mountains in the range. Again, to circle back to the concept of love and apply that to this illustration, the seeker brings the love down with him or herself into the roots of self, loving the self deeper and deeper in its entirety. And when one reaches the base of the mountain below the clouds and sees the connection with all the other mountains, that love spreads and grows to all the other mountains until it encompasses the entirety of the planet, shall we say, if we may use that image as a metaphor for all creation. I think this is a great example of the kind of uh, root base channeling that the spiritual path involves. When we bring that love down into our into the deep parts of ourselves, we are bringing something that is not necessarily of the third density experience into the third density experience and validating it. Connecting with it, seeing what it actually is instead of what we are afraid that it is. And it's a way of introducing the creator to all of this nuance and depth and darkness inside of ourselves and retrieving it, laying claim to it, and recognizing that in many cases, those things that are dark about ourselves, that are that seem negative about ourselves, are actually our friends. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Carla has said in the past and Kuo has said in the past is that what we think of as like evil or negative or mean or uh, oppositional in ourselves? It's often our power. It's our power that we have not reckoned with and taken responsibility for. And if we can love those parts of ourselves that seem unlovable and ask for it to work with us instead of holding itself against us, uh, then we often find that we can use those negative parts of ourselves for power. And, uh, and that we can push them towards positive ends. Once they are not oppositional any longer, once they have been accepted, they don't have to uh, confuse us anymore. And we have access to their truth because there is truth in the dark parts of ourselves that we reject. Those are parts of ourselves that have reality and are, they, they cannot be permanently separated from us. So they must have something that we can draw upon on our seeking. And I think that on the service to others path, it is that acceptance of the full self that allows us to engage all of these parts and draw upon their full power. And power is very dangerous. It's similar to what you were saying about Galadriel and and women and men about the very things that make them positive are just part are just one point in the spectrum Mm -hmm. of that of that quality in that. Uh, The more that we can draw upon the full spectrum, the more we have the freedom to create and to express ourselves as needed without having to like shy away or or hide. For so
1: many people that the dark side of ourselves is accessed, unfortunately, via pressure valve when the positive side of our lives is not going very well and we don't have free movement between the sides of ourselves be, because we have no practice here. <laughs> we have, for some people, there's no recognition, you know, Oh, I don't get mad. I don't do this. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, you're exploding. Like you must be under stress. You got to take the first step of recognition.
0: I, I, in a lot of cases, I found my temper expressing itself more once I started walking the path and less, but it's very punctuated, right? It, it catches me off guard. Mm. That's what I find is that it's it's more off guard and less me doing it at because this is the way my personality is. It's more like, wow, I just flicked that guy off. Like that came out of nowhere. <laughs> that
2: was a
1: that was a like a knee knee jerk reaction with the doctor. Knee jerk,
0: the- <laughs> absolutely. And it's me. It's it's just because I can't claim that I quote unquote caused it, it's still me. Mm-hmm. It's still something that I need to uh grapple with and accept and integrate into myself. And we can always keep in mind that when we do this, we're practicing how to love others. That's, mm-hmm. that's one point that they make here that it is the love of these parts of ourselves that seem irretrievable and um, unreconcilable. It's in learning how to do that, that we learn how to love and accept and have patience for others and to all, and to never give up on them because we never give up on ourselves.
1: Have you ever been driving and like someone cuts you off or, or, Whatever, and you're like, oh my gosh! But then you pull up next to him, and you realize it's your neighbor, or it's like yeah, your friend. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, absolutely, oh my gosh! They they got they're going to work. They must be really late because they were due at work ten minutes. I now have this experience every time my wife starts to get passive aggressive about a driver uh, who's just acting the fool. I'm like, honey, like we're headed to daycare to pick up our kids. What if this person is just is a person that we are going to see in the parking lot. Like what if this is one of our friends and we just, you know, we don't recognize them. I try to, I try to feel that way. Well, this has now become a habit. Like anytime traffic is getting aggressive, I'm reminded that not just, Oh, this is my friend. This is my neighbor, but this person has a story. You know, this person is might be going through something might be late for work. They might be headed to the hospitals. Like who knows? Or they might just be young and, and, uh, <clears throat> irresponsible and that they're going to get in a couple accidents and they'll, and they'll learn. I just, hopefully it won't be me, but, um, but I try to, uh, it's a good exercise. It's a good mm-hmm. exercise to ask yourself when you're getting mad at traffic, Hey, how would I react to this? If this was my neighbor, you know,
0: traffic provides so many opportunities for a very prime primary, uh, elemental kind of catalyst. Does it not mm-hmm. it like does. it? Like it's, it's, it's very it's very uh, episodic mm-hmm. situations, right? Like they, they they dissolve very quickly, but they can show you very intense things. <laughs> yes,
1: they do. It's high stakes, and then
0: you forget them in a moment. You right do know? like it's it's. But if you pay attention to them, and I've done that before, like it's almost uh, it almost makes driving this like far more complicated thing, right? Because it's a
1: spiritual exercise. Every time you get in the car, it's uh, you turn it really, the ignition, you, I, you turn on the spirituality, you know?
0: <laughs> I, I I will pretty much insist on that going forward. Uh and so we go forward. There's only one other thing that uh this this instrument mentions uh that Kuo mentions through them. Uh they say the one known as Carla spoke earlier of feeling a pain so intense that she may as well encompass that pain of the rest of humanity and heal all others' pain. She used the tool of her own suffering to penetrate the roots of herself so that she could see a connection with the entirety of other selves. In this instance, she was given the gift of oneness, connection between self and all other selves. It is often when confronted with these monsters, whether they be pain, bad dreams, or the monsters under the bed, that we are given the opportunity to go beneath the surface self deeper into the one being that one sees in the mirror to the one being at the center of creation. Um, and this is a really important point that I want to emphasize. It's something I've uh, brought up before, but we are, we are united just as much by pain as we are by pleasure. Like we all have pain that we're bringing around and that can be a way tapping into that pain can unite us. It doesn't need to be something that we uh, mobilize into opposition and defense and driving each other apart. Actually, our pain, in many cases, unites us because it is something we all have in common. We all feel it at different levels. We all feel it in different like varieties, mm-hmm. but it is a human experience. And it, especially uh, uh, in Buddhism, there's this idea of Tonglen, which is doing uh, meditations that... Uh, basically, visualize yourself breathing in all of the pain and suffering of, first of all, yourself, then maybe others that you care about, then extending to maybe your town, to the planet, to the universe. But at, at these different levels, you are bringing in suffering and pain and negativity, and you're exhaling coolness and love hmm. and relief. Interesting. And so you're almost acting like the spiritual filter. And I've worked with this, and it's very, very powerful. Um, it opens you up to a certain kind of compassion that's uh, very, uh, very alluring. Um And it seems like it's very uh, – it, it allows you to face things on an abstract level that maybe you can't face on a concrete. Hmm. But you start to work with like – how common all of this suffering is, how it's not just about you and it doesn't isolate you. Um, I remember reading Pema Chodron talking about this technique where she talked about AIDS patients who are suffering and dying, who said their suffering finally has meaning to them because they can use it to connect to the world and to open their hearts and compassion because they realize that it's not just their suffering. It's everybody's suffering. It's all connected. It's not just some like weird thing or like punishment happening to you.
1: This is why group therapy has shown to work because. Oh yeah. That's a great point. You recognize the pain in others and that they're going through what you're going through. this is a, this is a shared experience and you're working through it together.
0: It does not need to isolate you. That's for dang Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's move on. Kuo says. We would like to draw attention to the fact that within the one creation that connects us all, there have been created many different levels. Beings have stepped themselves down through various levels in order to gain all the experiences of life. There are fragments of the creator, in essence, of yourself that are operating on different frequencies on different stairs of the staircase. These stairs all lead to one point, and yet one may find that they can move amongst the stairs and that various fragments from higher steps on the stairs may journey down into a vibration so different from that which you are familiar that you are often not capable of recognizing these fragments as your fellow creation in this current density. There are parts of yourself that are so distanced from yourself that they could, in the terms that you know, be considered a separate entity. And it is possible for these entities of different vibration to interact, to mingle with your vibration on a level that differs from the resistance put up by the immediate subconscious of an individual. The possibility of negative entities that have throughout the eons been deemed as demons, as monsters, exist on various levels of existence and are capable of interacting with individuals in this density on a level that can be fully disturbing and very distracting. Um. So here we start to get into how the things that we reject and see as other than ourselves partake of all of these different levels or pieces of this deep self that I've been talking about Mm -hmm. so that we're engaging it on multiple levels, not all of which we have available to us in our waking consciousness, and that that is part of the otherness that Mm -hmm. we perceive. It's not... It's not the reality of it, the reality is that itself. but it is it is just the fact that we participate in a larger self and this negative encounter is part of that participatory nature of the waking self in a larger creation, in a larger self.
1: Yeah, I just, no comment.
0: <clears throat> if there are encounters with actually negative entities that are actually not part of our self in the way that we normally think, um, they often have ingress through these unresolved, uh, unaccepted parts of ourselves. And we'll go into more detail about that mm-hmm. uh, as we go on. Kuo continues, if we may liken the creation as a body, if one part of the body is hurt or experiencing flux, all of the attention of the body is drawn to that area, experiencing that particular distortion. All concentration is put on said area. This is what happens when one entertains the fear in one's own heart. When one does not clear the levels of the immediate self in order to open the heart, they then draw forth like attention. If you constantly think about the things that you fear, the things that you dread, if you constantly worry that you will encounter resistance, it will come. This is your inner creator at work. The creator that does not know such infinite power and yet has the very real ability to create the emotions on which you fixate your mind. That being who continuously brings focus upon outside fears without first tending to his own heart is creating the call of all those fears to be manifest. So here we're talking about the power that we have that's rooted in our attention and the attention that we give to things. We, we, we magnify and, 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 and reify them through the act of giving them attention. And that is a creative choice that we make. It's a way in which our perception creates our reality, right? Mm.
1: I'm thinking of what is the difference between, you know, we all have interacted with somebody who seems to be not themselves when they're angry or yeah. when they're dealing with something. But what is the difference between as an, as an individual, the way that you act when you have not Dealt with these this darker part of yourself, <clears throat> or you have not dealt with these challenges, um, versus the person who has. In in this, in in this metaphor, if one part of the body is hurt or experiencing flux, all of the attention of the body is drawn to the area experiencing that particular distortion. All concentration is put upon said area. What is the difference in that scenario between the person who has who has uh, that unresolved darkness within them and someone who Mm -hmm. has really incorporated, you know?
0: Yeah. This is something I didn't really understand until I read it this, this time right now. Uh, I think this is what they mean by, uh, these different levels of self and these different, you know, one way of understanding that is the different sub densities of consciousness Mm -hmm. within third density. And in other ways, understanding the densities that are outside of third density. Um, these are all levels of reality that impinge upon us, that 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 interact with us. Uh, just because we don't have waking access to fourth, or fifth, or sixth density, doesn't mean the lessons of those densities aren't available and working with our lessons. Mm-hmm. So, when, so I, I see also uh, the different levels as corresponding to the different energy centers mm-hmm. or chakras. Mm-hmm. I, I do see a little bit of. Um, equivalence between thinking of the different densities from where you stand in third density and thinking of the different chakras from where you stand in third density. Okay. They're kind of your access to the totality of experience and consciousness. And I think one way of understanding what you're asking is we have blockages at different levels.
2: Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Hmm. good And it is reminder. these
0: blockages that manifest based on where we put our attention. If we put our attention on, uh, a negative perception that's created by a blockage, we exacerbate and enlarge that in our lives, in our mental space, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a
1: good and reminder. So,
0: yeah. And Quo will tell us uh, what the opposite of that is, how to, how to deal with that otherwise. Okay. So they say right after that, when you open the heart and send out the call of love, you will find that not only are you met with a love response, but that that love penetrates the darkness that you so fear that it creates ripples in the pond that go farther than most in this density are even capable of imagining. So, this also reinforces the idea that it is work on the energy centers that can help us transcend these levels and to bring them into the self and to recover them. Mm. Uh, but it has to do with a faithful opening of the heart um, and being willing to, one, love those things that present as so horrible and to uh, be willing to feel what they want you to feel, hmm. to have the knowledge that you will not be lost because you feel something. That's what we're afraid of. Um, Pima Chodron says it perfect. She says that, you know, you know, all, all of this like avoidance and uh, fear of others and of the parts, dark parts of herself uh, arise, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, because we fear they'll trigger a confusion in us that we cannot abide. Like if I see something horrible in the news that just beggars my ability to imagine it's so negative, that thing is not happening to me. But I am afraid at what it means for my own concept of the goodness and unity of all creation. It it, it shakes my, my faith. In, in the story that I tell myself about what my life is about, that it is a spiritual evolutionary path, coming to terms with the feelings of these things uh, allows us to recover the fact that even though it presents as unpleasant, it is still fundamentally part of the creator. And I can handle it. Mm-hmm. I will not be completely thrown off guard and blown away by it. Yes. And that builds a confidence in yourself to be able to serve in these dark places.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Continuing as the seeker moves into these areas of opposition, confusion, and difficulty, there is often the temptation either to cease the journey or to become disheartened and feel a failure. These are normal responses. My friends, there is no shame in feeling them, but there is a portion of your tempering, shall we say as a spiritual vessel which seeks to hold the highest vibrations and to reflect these vibrations to the creation about you, for you interact with all that there is. And how you interact is a product of your own choosing. Eventually, each seeker will find that there is a great benefit to the self in sharing heartfelt love with each portion of the creation, including those portions that seem negative in relation to the self, especially in the interaction with the self. Yet, to share the open heart and the unconditional love that is found therein with the negatively oriented entities is but half the journey that needs to be taken to find respite and relief. The other half, we would suggest, is to build that armor of light about yourself with as much fervor as the love that has been sent from the heart. For this armor of light is that which provides a safe haven for the self that has encountered the difficulty from without. For though it can be said that there is an entire universe contained within the self, that has both the positive and the negative experiences and entities yet as it has been said as above so below as within so without when this armor of light has been constructed, then the secret that desires to be free of the opposition of negative sources is so both from within and without as is the intention of the seeker. Um, I probably should stop sooner, but uh, the okay. idea is that yeah, I'm trying to get through this because I know time is of essence. Um. This, this speaks very much to the what I've just been dealing with. I moved into an area in my life of opposition, confusion, and difficulty. And I had the temptation to just give up and stop worrying about doing these meditations that put me face-to-face with these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, there's also the metaphor of tempering. Uh, if you'll recall, I think it was in one of a, our previous episodes, I talked about that a uh, hattan session that said you know we give you the vision of the of the hammer hitting the rock on the anvil you know that which is not tempered will break an experience Uh, Dealing with catalysts and integrating it and transforming in response. That is what tempers us as spiritual vessels for Mm -hmm. the creator's love and light to be able to endure these things that are tough and to broadcast love, even when it seems like all that we're being met with is hate or negativity. Um, It's strength. We are getting stronger through all of this. And we The strength is going to be used to express our deepest truth in future densities. And what we're learning here is how to do that even when we're not sure that we're doing it or we're not sure we're doing it well or correctly.
1: I like that reminder of the the hammer, the rock and the anvil. And that which is not tempered will break. Yeah, so it's, that question is: Well, how do I, <laughs> how do I become tempered? But I suppose that's what we're all going through. That's yeah, life. We,
0: yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you're already in the middle of it. Oh, and also, fortunately, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, true, yeah. true.
0: Yeah, and like again, just a reminder that perception creates the subject-object dichotomy that gives a drama to these things that are ultimately just concepts within. The creator that we are. So when we engage in this drama, uh, the more that we can see it as a drama that is contrived by our own distortions. And therefore, the love that we're giving is both to ourselves and to that other. And that that otherness and that selfness is two dynamics of the same fundamental thing.
1: Yeah. And that's a great reminder that Remember that we don't see the world the way it is. We see the world the way we are. And you have to, there there has to be a yep. little generosity when you're having conflict yep. with others or with yourself that what you're feeling is not quote unquote real. It is your perception and the, all of this, the story that you tell yourself around that perception. So whatever exercises, whatever tools are available so that you can work through what it is you need to work through, but recognize it's all you, Yeah, it always in and forever is mm. you you know that's but that that's hard to swallow that
2: that's yeah
0: hard. yeah the, the buddhists talk about the wisdom of no escape and how we think that we have the ability to walk away from these pieces and reject these things and that that matters in the long run mm. but it's just creating the, the the wisdom comes from recognizing that there is no escape from these things mm-hmm. that they're part of ourselves that they're as near to us as our breath and therefore we 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 fool ourselves when we think that we can reject and pick and choose which parts we identify with and which we don't. Sure. Sure. Uh, So let's go into the last part where they talk about two ways to, to kind of uh, deal with this. And then we'll be able to wrap up. Kuo says, perhaps you have noticed my friends that as the various instruments in this circle have spoken, they have often repeated these words, love and light. As you walk the tightrope, Across the abyss of chaos, which is all that is perceived in this distortion, there is a balance beam for each self that is love and light. As entities pursue the spiritual path, they begin to discover that there are many points from which to perceive. Rare indeed is a seeker who is able to ascend the staircase of various vibratory ranges from which perception proceeds, all of which are couched and nested within your web of perception, which is more or less integrated into a waking personality. Just want to point out, again, they're talking about different vibratory levels of this staircase, mm-hmm. and that conforms to the chakras, that conforms to the densities, and it shows that perception as a creative act is rooted in where our consciousness is in our system. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of what I think adepthood involves, walking the spiritual path involves, is learning how to change your perception, change your point of view, uh, change your perspective, so that you can see bigger or smaller uh, parts of the creator that put it in a different light that give you a different appreciation of how one thing connects to another thing. And remember, we always talk about how the the biggest uh, lesson the confederation tries to teach us is the variability of perspective and how by changing our perspective, we can change the reality that we are uh, perceiving Mm -hmm. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Kuo continues. One may discover that one falls from one step down many steps to another floor of perception entirely. Another may find that there are sudden lifts and drops within dreams. Others may find that the vision is so dearly desired that is realer than the day to day illusion becomes less penetrable as one moves closer to it. All of these are examples of what the essences and energies and entities that seem to block your path are. It is a great challenge to see yourself as more than a waking personality, to realize that your boundaries are not those of your personality or your understanding. It is not necessarily helpful or good news to the seeking entity to find that there is not necessarily a continuity in a horizontal sense to one's point of perception. So we're connecting back with the earlier parts of this uh, session and the idea that these different levels of vibratory selfhood uh, integrate with uh, those things that we accept and reject and, uh, What we're, what we're dealing with is that all these things come together to give us a variety of experiences, a variety of feelings and emotions and senses of self, some of which are more alien than others, some of which are more familiar than others. And this is part of walking the path is that the, the, the vertical, although we think we're going in the straight line horizontally, there actually is, uh, terrain. Yes. It is terrain that we don't see clearly. And so we are bound to be surprised by it,
1: yeah it's hard to it's hard to see the next peak over when you're in the bottom of a valley, you know?
0: yeah, we have to mm-hmm. kind of have faith in our greater, larger, deeper self that we have the resources to deal with whatever the terrain presents us, even if as our waking self we 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 are we are frightened, we are scared, and we think, I can't possibly handle that uh raw and. Quo and other confederation contexts make a point of reinforcing over and over again, that we will not present ourselves with anything that we can't handle. The very mm-hmm. fact that we are encountering, it means that our desire at some level of this vibratory, uh, uh, these different vibratory levels of self, that desire manifested from one of those levels. Mm-hmm. And it's a real level. That's part of self. We would not be experiencing it, and we certainly wouldn't even be experiencing it as catalysis in the first place if it didn't belong to us. Yes. If it wasn't part of us. Yes. And, that, and that's what they mean, I think, by this continuity. There's a continuity to the positive and the negative. It's all connected to the same self. Um, so then we get into how can we deal with these things? So Kuo continues. The second part of the query is, how how may we deal with these distractions, essences, and entities that stand before the seeking self and say, go no further? It is far easier to answer, for we call upon the principle of unity, and we would ask each when faced with such visions, essences, entities, and distractions, to cease movement, just as one in deep water might cease thrashing about, attempting to swim to a shore that cannot be seen, and to come to rest, floating. Gently being born by whatever current one is experiencing in terms of types of vibration, when the effort to extract oneself from the moment of challenge has ceased, when one is empty and unresisting, one may then be in touch with the love that is within that vibration, within that moment, within that nexus. Uh, This is very similar, I think, to a lot of the messages that Quo has given uh, our circle uh, in the sense that they've often emphasize the importance of rest on the path that we push forward and we attempt with a certain kind of ambition to address our imbalances, to bring balance to them, to address our distortions, to see the love in them and to work with all this material. But it can be overwhelming at times. Mm -hmm. There is wisdom in stopping the work and the ambition to engage Directly and enthusiastically with it, and that this can be taken to the other uh, other extreme as I have in my life, where you sort of shrink back and you don't want to deal with anything at all, mm-hmm. and that that is a, that is uh, going the other extreme. There, they seem to me to be uh, 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 charting out this middle path where we allow ourselves to take a break, and that then we put ourselves back to work mm-hmm. in dealing with. Uh, integrating the full self. Yeah. Because it's hard. It's work. Sometimes you you need a break, you know, we can't fool ourselves and think that this is all rainbows and unicorns. If there's one thing, the law of one is about it's that it's not all rainbows and unicorns. Yes. Because the light, the, the creator blinks, neither at the light or the dark. We have a responsibility for engaging with all of it. And the way that we choose to engage with it is the way that we polarize. Yes. And we always get another opportunity. So if we didn't like the way we did it last time, don't worry. You'll get another shot. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. This is important in two ways, Kuo continues. Firstly, seekers are possessed with minds. And often the functions of the mind are denigrated in comparison to the forces of intuition and knowing. Yet in a situation which confronts one as a seeker, when the resistance to the resistance has ceased, when there is peace within the perceiving self, Even in the face of this challenge, one may using one's mind ask to find the love in the moment. One may even use this question as a mantra. One may, in one's own way, create the desire to know where is the love in the moment. One has stopped the momentum of that which is fearsome. One has come to a halt. One is therefore able to originate a new momentum and create the desire to see the love in the vibration of that moment. This is really interesting because they're talking about how sometimes it's the very fact that we wrestle with it that makes it oppositional to begin with mm. and if our especially if our instinct if our knee jerk reaction to what is presented to us is to resist it then you can see the usefulness of not of giving yourself a break and just sitting with it and i and i feel and once again i think it has a lot to do with getting used to these feelings and not seeing a feeling that we call bad as meaning that something is bad, yes. right? Yes. Like feelings are allowed to be painful. They're allowed to be dark and, and hard to deal with. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with us on a fundamental level. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I think it's, that is a capacity that we are all working on is to be able to abide these feelings so that when they occur, they don't throw us. We can deal with them and we can be there for other people when they are thrown by them.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, final part. Secondly, it is the glory and the truth of each seeker that the love in the moment is himself. To open the self admits the challenge to the awareness of love is to open the self to the universe that is love. It is not through an act of will that one becomes able to offer love to a fearsome entity that one is seeing or to an attitude of mind that burns with a hectic fire, keeping him from the peace he can taste and feel. There is a releasing of all levels of perception that comes to one who desires to know the self at the point where that question becomes a point of entry, then that seeker may allow love to flood the self so that one is marinated in love, drenched, permeated, and filled with love. And as one feels the self as love, from this point of perception, it becomes the act of simplicity itself to love the unlovable, to embrace the wolf that bites. Mm. Okay, so what are they saying here? I, I think they are explicitly saying that it is in Allowing ourselves to integrate these things at multiple levels, in fact, chakra work, to give ourselves opportunities for different levels of perceiving this, and therefore uh, to allow for different capacities of self, namely the love that we all have, to be offered to these things, even though as a red ray issue, or as an orange ray issue, or as a yellow ray issue, we have a hard time with it. We can allow these other levels—the the the green, blue, indigo—to permeate this. Um, even if we don't believe it fully, we can still mm. open ourselves to the possibility. Mm. And now we're giving ourselves things to choose amongst, and we can choose to work with them in the from this perspective where it's all part of one thing. In other words, it's always it's always this message of changing the perspective and thereby changing the reality that you have just created for yourself.
1: Change your perspective, change your reality.
0: Yeah. Yes. But, but it seems to me that, uh, it's only by opening your heart at the, at, at the end of the day that it really gets through that. You have to have the courage. It is courage to face these things that you have built a personality around not facing. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. It's hard to put your ego in check. <clears throat> Yeah. And
0: these are structural. (laughs) These, these rejections are load bearing beams in the, in the self that we have built. Mm. So when we take them out, they matter. Mm -hmm. They are not just things that we sweep away. They have to be engaged with and we have to have new supports, new structures. Mm. And it is this new perception that gives us, I think the inkling that it's possible because we can't really, because faith is a lot about, uh, mobilizing your resources towards an end that you can't necessarily see step by step how you get there. Yeah you have faith, you set your orientation, you you insist on seeing love and then you do the hard work of step by step bringing yourself to that point. and you can rest, you can uh, give up your resistance for a moment, you can give up your work for a moment and just feel it. And little by little, you, you you open yourself up to a new level of yourself. And like I said, it scared you because it had power, that dark part of yourself. It's not because it's just bad. It has something that you need, but it also has something that scares you. So you are in a full integration with this possibility of self that you are newly creating. Continuing with Kuo, many are those who have at various times in their incarnation damaged their light bodies, or as this instrument would say, their energy bodies, and therefore have created those points of entry which are perforce unguarded. To work on this aspect of the challenges of entities and essences, which seem to be a roadblock or a point of fear or distraction, is to call upon a certain kind of help. Can you imagine, my friends, the uncounted entities who have never left the love and the light of the one infinite creator to enter into illusion? Many call them angels or the Elohim. Whatever their title, they function as part of the creative principle, and they are able when asked to enter into the healing of light bodies. Therefore, we ask each in times of challenge to call upon that help and then to know that healing is taking place. Okay. So only at the very end of this session do we even get into actual instances of psychic or negative greeting Mm -hmm. from actual negative entities. And all they are saying is that these points of ingress that they ha- that they uh, exploit are ours. Hmm. They are things that uh, that they are features of ourself. They are not um, inevitable, but they are they are real things that because of the decisions and the place from consciousness that we might be coming at any given moment, uh, they are the fact. They're they're the terrain that we're dealing mm-hmm. with right now,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
0: Ask for help. This is where prayer comes in. This is where faith and building that faith through reaching out to the resources that you are over time practicing, connecting with. Mm -hmm. You can call them angels, Elohim, cherubs. I don't know. There's lots. I just think of it as the goodness of the creator at my fingertips. If only I should ask for it. It is so easy to go through life and think that you have to handle everything yourself. You have friends, you have family, you have colleagues and f- fellow seekers, but you also have those that you don't see. Mm-hmm. And this is part, the same body that has the flaws and the vulnerabilities also has this capacity to reach to greater pieces of itself, to greater things that seem outside itself, but actually are, uh, 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 uh intimately part. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we're learning to work with all of this. Okay. Therefore, we ask in times of challenge to call upon that help and then to know that healing is taking place. Offer those moments as a daily practice, asking for the help and giving gratitude for the help. This is very important too. Practicing the idea, the impulse to even ask for help can be a challenge. It's something I've struggled with too doing it every day during your morning offering or your morning meditation is a good time. And I I make a point of it now in my ritual to ask the creator for help. And I visualize myself not just receiving relief from the creator, but also I place my hands up and I visualize myself taking all of my worries and fears and concerns and giving it to the creator. The creator can handle
2: Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm.
0: I may not be able to handle it, and my, in my heart of hearts, being honest with myself, I may not be able to handle it, but the creator can, and I have faith in that. And I work with building that faith every day. And it does, it does show results because uh, I can tell that it allows me to address those fears and things from a different point of view, mm-hmm. that change in perception. Mm-hmm. And I think that's crucial, to recognize that the consciousness that we occupy That is the wholeness that our waking consciousness is only part of has all these resources. We just need to open up to them. We need to open up to the, to the, to the nearness of them.
1: Yeah. Try to lift yourself up to that, that higher perspective.
0: Try to lift yourself up and then recognize that you may not be able to do it all on your own and that you need help. But this help comes from just a, a, a higher level of what's your own. It is your own, but you're opening up to greater and greater capacities that don't seem near at hand. Right. Yeah. Although the creator is that, which is mysterious beyond all telling Kuo says it's essence is love and it's interacting parts are all made of love. Let this be the basis of your approach to those times of challenge and resistance that you shall indeed beat again and again, whoever you are, whatever your path, It is a natural part of movement through the density of choice, the density of dynamic opposition. Only within yourself, girded with faith that all is well, can you open yourself to love. And that's where we're going to leave it. Um, This opening to love seems to be a huge part of their suggestions here that maybe I didn't appreciate as much before when I read this. But it seems to me that it's consonant with the frequent admonition that we are working with our heart chakras and, uh, the, the, the possibilities or the, or the lessons that will, uh, be used in fourth density. When we open our hearts in third density behind the veil, when we can't see the, the connectedness of all the mountains under the clouds, right? When the veil is lifted, we'll be able to, all the clouds will lift and we, it will be obvious to us, mm. um, and yet it will be so obvious that we won't have the motivation that we have now to uh, uh, to, to use that desire to push us through these dark parts and to build the power in the tempering that will make us better instruments for the creator going forward.
1: Amen. This is a good session. Yeah. This was a good yeah, session. Uh, good, Good choice.
0: And I, and I think it's also great because a uh, negative greeting often comes up for people. I just want to say, again, the reason I often avoid this topic is because people, sometimes seekers use negative greeting as a synonym for something bad happening to me. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like, okay, if everything bad happens to you is because of something outside of yourself, I think that tends to be a very poor way to work with the concept. It doesn't take any responsibility um, so the more that we can connect with those things that seem alien and other and bring them into the self, even when they're painful and then let self, let our hearts, our hearts can do a lot of the work of this reconciliation and this integration. If we start the process of opening, if we make the choice to open, it's not through an act of will. Where did they say this before? It is not, as Kuyo says, it is not through an act of will that one becomes able to offer love to a fearsome entity that one is seeing or to an attitude of mind that burns with hectic fire. There is a release. It's not that you're making yourself love. It's that you're releasing the judgment that prevents you from expressing the love you already have. Mm -hmm. Your awareness of the love that already connects you. It's less about doing and more about being. I like that. Yeah.
1: More about being it's it's
0: a it's the lesson and this is something Kuo and the Confederation talk about a lot. The service of being versus the service of doing. Yes. And the the way in which Action is misunderstood in our lives from a spiritual point of view. It seems to be that action is the only thing that makes things happen. But when you open up to the idea that you are greater than simply the waking consciousness that has uh, seeming agency, you start to understand that it is through a cooperation with greater parts of yourself and an opening up to how much you don't understand that you engage your full self in the, in the meat of catalyst. Hear, hear. Well, that's the end of our session. Um, and I think it's probably a good place to uh, wrap things up. I think You got so. anything uh, you want to wrap up with?
1: No, it's uh, <clears throat> plenty of stuff to chew on per usual and plenty of yeah. stuff that what good is learning something if you don't try to apply it, you know, so right. I'm just trying to pull out a couple of gems and just let them simmer today. As I go through the day and, uh, you know, see if there's a way I can incorporate some of these ideas.
0: It's, it's, uh, it's something I'm struggling with too, because I don't usually, uh, think of my life and it's difficulties in terms of this otherness natively. Mm -hmm. And yet sometimes I think the idea of negative greeting and, um, like a negative intrusion into your otherwise homeostatic life, uh, is a useful model if, because, Sometimes things don't seem like the self, and no amount of willing yourself, or tricking yourself, or talking yourself into it will make it more the self. Mm -hmm. It, I think that the, the deeper practice is in this opening of the heart that they keep mentioning in this practice. That this opening of the heart, instead of like grabbing the negativity and then like pushing it into yourself, like you know, just like shoving it right into your heart. By opening your heart and letting it come in, letting that vulnerability and that receptiveness guide you, Um, that that to me seems like a key skill here that they are Mm. emphasizing.
1: Mm. Well, again, thank you for another great discussion and a great review.
0: Thank you. uh, I'm glad that you're feeling better. Me too. Uh, I'm glad Thanks. That I'm feeling better. <laughs> Heck, yeah. <laughs> and and I hope we'll uh, you know, we're going to the holidays, so I don't expect that we'll have the best schedule, but let's just keep in touch and we'll do it when we can. Yes. Uh, listeners, like we try to keep a schedule, but you know, at the end of the day, it'll show up in your feed when it shows up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. We're doing the best we can.
0: We are. Mm-hmm. We are. Um So in the meantime, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Continue to give us any feedback that you have and uh, stay in the love and light.